This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Postal Service is under pressure for on-time delivery and for the November election. Its inspector general says the agency has mostly kept up with the volume of mailed-in ballots during this year's primary season. The Postal Service has expanded its election mail task force to include its four biggest unions. Still, the IG has flagged concerns for the timely delivery of main election mail. For more findings, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with the USPS Deputy Assistant IG for Audits, Daryl Benjamin. The big items that we noted in the report really fell within two areas. First, integration of the stakeholders' processes with the Postal Service process. And there's five areas there that I'll chat about. The second area was with Postal Service adherence to their policies and procedures. On the stakeholder processes integrating with the Postal Service, as I mentioned, there's those five areas. Use of mail tracking technology is the first. The Postal Service nor the election boards are able to track ballots throughout the system if they don't have that mail tracking technology. The Postal Service calls that the intelligent mail barcode. That allows both the Postal Service and those election commissions to really be able to track that piece of mail all the way from induction through processing and ultimately delivery. And many election boards are sending their ballot envelopes through the system without that mail tracking technology. Ballot envelope design. What we saw is that not all election commissions are always coordinating with the Postal Service. You know, each state has the different rules. Each election board can have their own design. They all have the official election mail logo on the ballot. But the actual design of the ballot itself can vary widely, all the way from very large envelopes to smaller envelopes. In particular, what we saw is the mail processing machinery really has a challenge processing a ballot if there's an address on both sides of the envelope. And some states have that on their ballot designs. That can cause the machinery to misread the address. It doesn't know exactly where it's going, et cetera. The other issue that we noted was the mailing too close to the election date. The Postal Service recommends that election boards send the ballots out to the voters at a minimum of 15 days prior to the election. However, there's 48 states and D.C. have absentee ballot request deadlines that are less than that 15 days prior to the election. 34 states in D.C. have deadlines that are within seven days of the election. And that's a, that's a very tight time frame to get the ballots in the mail system, get it delivered to the voter, and the voter have sufficient time to get that back through the mail system to the election board. Postmarks was another issue. The purpose of having a postmark is a revenue protection for the Postal Service. It's to cancel that stamp that we put on birthday cards or other mail that we send. But many election boards use that as the date that it was processed through the Postal Service system. Normally, there's a large amount of mail that does not get canceled if it doesn't have that first class stamp on it. If it's metered mail from a business, that normally does not get a postmark. So many of these election boards, as they're sending the ballots out to the voters, they will have prepaid postage on that return envelope that's metered mail that wouldn't normally go through the machinery and the postal service to get a postmark. So postal service has, you know, informed all of their processing plants and their delivery units that those return ballots from voters should have a postmark 
but it is a challenge for them as that's not part of their normal process. Last on the stakeholder integration with the Postal Service processes, but not least, is voter addresses that are out of date. It varies across the state how frequently they update their voter registration. Some of them only update the addresses every two years. So any of those where they have an out-of-date address for the voter, those cause challenges. The other issue, the Postal Service adherence to their procedures. What we found, we visited seven processing plants, one in each of the Postal Service areas throughout the country. And what we found was that they were not always performing the daily all-clear certification as they're required. What that daily all-clear is, is it's a process that that processing plant goes through. They walk around to make sure, yep, there's no ballots left here. They've all cleared the plant. They've been sent on to the delivery units, etc. We found that wasn't always being done. They also were not performing their daily self-audits of election and political mail readiness. That's a a self-audit that they do to ensure that they're ready, that they're doing their daily all checks, that they've set up a staging area for ballots and political mail, and that they're logging the arrival of that political and election mail as it comes in. Circling back to what you had said about the intelligent mail tracking barcodes, only a fraction of ballots and pieces of election mail currently use that technology. Could you maybe walk me through why that technology isn't used more broadly? We do know that the use of that technology has significantly increased from the 2018 election. We don't have the exact numbers at this time, but we do know that it has been increased because more and more election boards have become familiar with it and really see the value that that technology provides. But One of the challenges is the number of election boards and the size of the election boards throughout the country varies greatly. You have states such as Wisconsin and and others that have a large number, 1,900 election boards, some of them being very small. Some states just have one, like Alaska has one election board. So they're doing large mailings. If you're a small election board and you're doing a very small mailing, You're likely not using what we in the Postal Service call a third-party mailer, companies that specialize in preparing your mail, making it ready, inducting it into the Postal Service system. These third-party mailers are very familiar with intelligent mail barcoding and that mail tracking technology and have the operations and the systems in place to be able to readily apply that. If you're not using that third-party mailer, that means you as a small election board need to understand what needs to be done to use that mail tracking technology, and there would be some operational costs involved with that and some logistics that would have to take place to occur. So that that's the barrier to it. There really isn't an increase in the price of the postage, and in some cases, you could actually get a discount on the postage by using mail tracking. But it's those operational changes that would have to be made at the election board, so that's one of the barriers. If the Postal Service does receive a higher volume of election mail than it has in previous elections, will it have enough capacity to process that unprecedented volume of election mail? Yes, the Postal Service would have the capacity. As we discuss in our report, there's roughly 150 million registered voters in the United States. That number is getting higher, we know. But regardless, if every single registered voter voted absentee ballot, voted by mail, just in one month during the year, that would be 300 million. 150 ballots going out to the voters, 150 being returned. That 300 million, while that's an extremely 
important mail piece to the Postal Service, it's a very small volume for them. The Postal Service processes 22 billion pieces of mail on average every month. So that 300 million in one month would be about a 1.4% increase for the Postal Service. Yes, capacity, the Postal Service has the capacity to handle that. Daryl Benjamin, Deputy Assistant Inspector General for Audit at the U.S. Postal Service, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.